This is obviously no place for an intelligence-sensitive duck. Hi there, and welcome to Baseball by Design. I am SportsLogos.net minor league baseball correspondent Paul Caputo, broadcasting live, as always, from the Sunday Helmet Hall of Fame in my basement in Fort Collins, Colorado. This week, we're going to be talking about the Madison Mallards, a collegiate summer-level team that plays in the North Woods League in Madison, Wisconsin. I'll be joined later on in this episode by Ranger Amy Burnett, who is Baseball by Design's wildlife correspondent, and Dan Simon will be back with one of his studio Simon Stumpers. Right now, I am so happy to be joined by the Creative Services Manager, Brent Bartels, and Marketing Director, Kyle Chisholm, for the Madison Mallards. Brent, Kyle, how are you guys doing? Doing well. Thank you for having us. Yeah, this is awesome. Thanks. Well, this is this is really fun for me because this is, you know, I, I love the level of branding and, and marketing that that collegiate summer level teams have have gotten into developing these these really fun identities and and really putting themselves out there in the community a lot more than we ever used to see with like the collegiate summer level teams, right? Like so I, I'd like to start there in terms of being at the helm for a a collegiate summer level team, what is the advantage to you to having a sort of high-end fun brand? It's so much about the storytelling here. And that is evident in all of our branding, even in our primary Mallards logo, where you know, Maynard is pointing to the north side. And that's where the Mallards are located. He's also in the Babe Ruth pose. There's just these homages to these things like in baseball history or the community and that's what we specifically try to do in all of our rebrands and identities and our jerseys and everything whereas we want to tell that story in the community and be something that is so fun that anybody can pick it up an adult or a kid but then also be able to interact with that community in a strong branding presence where yeah people are going to recognize it and say that is who the mallards are it's something fun it's something cool it's something different i think summer collegiate baseball really lends itself to the creative freedom that we do a lot of stuff in-house and maybe that's not something that affiliates I haven't even worked for an MILB affiliate or, or a major league team for that matter so there's a lot of things that we have the liberty to do that are weird unique that maybe teams with a professional overhead don't have the opportunity or the freedom or that long leash to do um, you know, we we can cross the line and be pulled back across it, but um, our bosses always like to say that they never want to be the ones to push us over that line. So um, it's one of those things that we try every single day to do something weird or unique or something that something that nobody has ever seen before that a baseball purist is going to love. And, you know, somebody who loves all the weird and quirky things about the world of minor league branding would also love. So um, we're at this really unique intersection. And I think the the opportunities that pro that provides for us um, is something that you don't find very often. So I get that this team name came to being before you all were with the team. But can you speak to, uh, you know, in terms of that story that you're trying to tell, can you speak to what uh, what the name Mallards means to a team in Madison, Wisconsin? Yeah, um, for a, a college town that doesn't have a college team, the Mallards, well before Brent and I were here, have established uh, deep roots within the people who are around um, that goes to the little leagues and to the businesses and just all the other surrounding communities that people who don't live in Madison uh, proper might live in the surrounding areas. So providing a place where people can all kind of connect to each other and share with, with baseball. So it goes so much deeper than the actual game itself. Um, we try to provide the, the entertainment aspect as well, which is really what um, the Mallards have come to be known for after 20 years is weird and unique promotions and, um, you know, just kind of blurring the line between baseball and entertainment. The team's been around, uh, you just said, for for 20 years. It's had a couple of different marks. The first one was from 2001 to 2010 and was green and red, had a kind of evil-looking mallard with uh, with red eyes. And, and then the next one was 2011 uh, until the new one was unveiled in, in 2021. A lot of brand equity in these in these two brands. You all came on just after the 2021 rebrand was was unveiled so many details in that brand w what's it been like bringing that this new era of the mallards identity to the to the community as kyle mentioned earlier he had to 
set the foundation for it and get people behind the idea of a new logo. Whereas the last two logos specifically had a lot of community ties, 20 years, a lot of support around those logos. So this was something totally different. It's in a different art style. There's a lot of intricacies in the logo. This branding is so strong. It has so many possibilities and opportunities um, to create something different and new for people on social or that see your stuff in the ballpark. Yeah, there there were a lot of challenges with the rebrand from what I understand. And, um, you know, each iteration of the logo having lasted a decade before they were changed, people really are drawn to it and they hold that really closely. So when we took the, you know, the first and second logos had that green and yellow uh, feel to them. It, it was the literal colors of a mallard. It had a bit of a deeper, darker color green to it. And you take that green and then you swap it out for blue and that green is almost gone altogether. And that yellow is a little bit brighter and, you know, the green's a little bit more neon looking, you know, people have issues with change over time, but they warm up to them. Um, and I think the biggest challenge of that rebrand was to create a logo that even has an even deeper root in the community that, you know, it's so far out there that maybe people don't like it at the very beginning, which I, I'm sure there is a close to a 50-50 split amongst our fans about who liked it and who didn't. But, you know, he's pointing to the north side. There's a home plate with cheese where it's like the dairy land is our home, but home plate is also still that wink to baseball. So um, trying to include everything that we could, even down to the uniform, the, the actual pinstripes on our uniform, um, if you look really closely, are the surrounding communities of Madison. So there are little words that read Sun Prairie, Verona, all the little towns around it. So um, even something to the eye really far away that looks traditional baseball has that like handshake or something almost to the rest of the so the, the Dean County communities. That is uh, that is quite the detail. I, I don't think I've ever been able to zoom in quite that far on the on the <laughs> pinstripes to see that. That's very cool. We've started getting into some of the details that I really wanted to get to on this this brand, and I learned some things when when we published the uh, article on SportsLogos.net when the when the team rebranded in 2021. I learned the word isthmus, <laughs> which I did not know, and then learned that the the two lakes uh, that Maynard is standing sort of in or on are Lake. And you guys would have to correct me on my pronunciation here: Lake Mendota and Lake Monona. Did I get those right? Yep, nailed it. All right, so he's got his foot in one of them. Is it Mendota that he's got his foot in? I think that's Mendona. That'll be Mendona. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So right. technically, he's facing the north side. So that right foot is on the South Lake. Okay, and so then he's got his his right foot on the South Lake, and then he's got his left foot sort of lifted, like he's getting ready to step into a swing. Yep. He's pointing to left field, or I guess. West field, if he's facing north, then that's he's pointing sort of west. Like you say, home plate is a a slice of of Swiss cheese, yep. uh, which is an obvious wink and a nod to to Wisconsin. Are there are there details that I'm missing? I see that the city of Madison is is outlined in the background. There's a silhouette of the the Madison skyline there in the background. What am, what what details am I missing of this story that's being told in this brand here? Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of little details, and it's so funny because we always talk about the breakdown of it always takes forever to explain because there's so much <laughs> behind it. But um, the biggest piece was actually tying the logo specifically to the north side of Madison. Um, we do a lot of celebrations internally, um, celebrating the community and the businesses and the people who live on the north side and surround our ballpark. Um, but of course, the city piece of it is just on the road, um, you know, always to the, the back of Maynard there. Um, so physically carrying the city on its back almost is uh, one of the things that we've come across too that, that people have mentioned. So it's there's a lot of little nuances there. Um, but I think the biggest thing was trying to tie baseball back into the north side of Madison. Um, a lot of teams have come, come through this park uh, since the 80s, but this is the one that's here to stay. So trying to establish a brand that people can connect to specifically with our area of Madison. I guess the pose is more specific to Babe Ruth calling a shot. But yeah, there's so many tiny details in this logo, which is, it makes it really cool, but <laughs> long-winded answers. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I do this podcast is for these long-winded answers here. Is there a connection of Babe Ruth to Madison, Wisconsin, or is it uh, more just that's a classic baseball pose? I think it leans more into the classic baseball pose. Okay. 
isthmus, by the way, I brought up the word and then didn't explain what it actually is. It's a narrow strip of land between two bodies of water. How big a deal is the isthmus in in Madison? It's huge. Yeah. Uh, I believe it's one of two major U.S. cities, the other being Seattle, I want to say. So um, there's Isthmus Magazine. There are a lot of people who, you know, connect themselves to that interesting piece of geography. Um, I also hadn't heard about it. We do a lot of joking internally that I'm from Illinois and Brent is from South Dakota. So letting two people who are not from the state of Wisconsin develop and establish a brand solely based around Wisconsin and one of its major cities is an interesting choice, but we've done the very best we could to um, establish ourselves as, as Madison residents as well and truly really try to embody the uh, characteristics of the people who have been here their entire lives. Absolutely. There's there's a tertiary mark, too, that uh, I don't want to overlook here because it's got a, uh, a a great element that the other two do not, which is that Maynard is outlined in a series of sausage links. I can only assume those are, are bratwursts there. Yeah. I, you know, I think the connection is obvious, but, you know, how is that logo received? You know, when sometimes a tertiary mark has a little detail like that that can really take off. Is that one that's been embraced by the community? I think we have another logo. I don't know if it's technically, we have so many logos, actually. That's that's <laughs> a, a step number one. But we don't really use Maynard and that sausage link, the bratwurst surrounding Maynard a lot. But we have kind of dove into Maynard as a hot dog or a bratwurst, um, where I don't know if you've seen it. It is Maynard in the same cartoon style, but literally as a hot dog um and we've kind of used that we put it on some t-shirts and stuff so we try to lean into that as much as we can too and play off of the the wiener joke i don't know if i can say that on podcast but uh i guess you probably know the story a little bit better than that uh there's a big thing about wiener uh, shouting wiener on the pa when there's a foul ball yeah so So, uh yeah what that mark it's funny because it can be either a bratwurst or a hot dog I think which is the beauty of it Um, bratwurst being more local to Wisconsin but hot dogs is something that at the ballpark if uh, the Mallards hit a foul ball you can return the foul ball to the concession stand for a free hot dog and the way that people know that is our PA person will say wiener on the loudspeaker and it's something they've done for 20 years so it's a it's an inside joke almost as a Mallards fan that now we're sharing with everybody else as well but um, it's something that if you're there for the first time, it's not overly explained unless somebody else has been to a game for, you know, many, many years. So, um, you know, if you're sitting down at Warner Park for the first time, you might hear someone say wiener and nobody knows why they're saying it. So it's uh, another little wink to something that only Mallard fans might know, but it's surrounding, again, our, our piece of that logo and um, trying to tie it all together at once. Nice. I do want to ask you, I just spent a week in Little Rock, Arkansas. And uh, the Arkansas Travelers play there. And I was there for a game in April. So I had two work trips to Little Rock this year. And and one of them was during the season. And they had a game in April. And you probably know where I'm going with this. They've got an alternate brand called the Mad Mallards, which and it's got very sort of similar colors to, you know, some of the things that you all have done. Was that an issue? Like, did that was that something that you were aware of before it came out, or like, and when it did come out, was there any sort of like official response to it? Is it like a fun response, or is it was were you guys ticked off by that? Yeah, I can speak to this actually. This is hilarious. Uh, so we did not know about this when we were uh, creating our rebrands for last year, or just like doing any sort of research. But it is ironically similar to the muscle arts too, which maybe we'll talk about, but, uh, so we had no idea any of that was coming out. We were creating the muscle arts at the same time. We're like, shoot, is this too close to that? Maybe not so much our brand, obviously it used our name and colors and stuff like that. We were almost more worried about the muscle art being ruined at that point. Um, but how we found out was they posted it on social and we were kind of blown away by it. And we, took it as more of a joke i'd say like oh like that's kind of weird that they would do that um not as like a they're trying to take our business or do anything like that but the tweet that we responded with we tweeted two things at them one was just the emoji where he's like questioning he's like hmm like hmm that's kind of interesting but the other one was imitation is the best form of flattery so uh we just kind of took it as like obviously our branding is so successful that they wanted to do something along those same lines so i don't know how successful it ended up being but 
I just thought it was kind of ironic that uh, they kind of played into both of our our branding and our rebranding at the same time. <laughs> I, I can remember that day where we just refreshed Twitter and it popped kind of to the top of the feed. And the more you looked at it, the more resemblance you could kind of see between them. But it also kind of there's a there was a team in uh, Minot, North Dakota years ago, the Minot Mallards. That logo kind of bears a, a similar resemblance to the Arkansas one as well. Um, so you can kind of see where some of those smaller points of, I guess, reference would come from. So, yeah, I guess imitation is the best form of flattery works. But um, we always say in Wisconsin that more baseball is always good for baseball. So I guess the same goes for more Mallards. It's good for the Mallards. Sir. Well, Brent, you brought up the the musculards. Let's let's get into this because this is this this is some fun sort of wacky stuff that you all have going on. You've got a lot of different things happening with alternate brands. Uh, the the musculards is uh, like I guess it's 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 like that Jeff Goldblum movie, The Fly, right, where he goes into the transmogrifier with a fly with a with a fly, and like he comes out and he's part human, part fly. I'm sure people don't need me to break down that the plot of that movie for them, but musculards appears to be some you know unholy combination of a fish and a bird and it was an alternate brand for you all and there's great gear on the on the team shop what's a musculard or musculard and you know what 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 was that idea when when that first came to to fruition when when we rebranded to this iteration um one of the ideas that was brought to our team was to combine the name muskies which is the first team that had played at warner park with mallards and rebrand from the mallards to be called the musculards which is as you described basically a frankenstein between a fish and a mallard um and kind of going through those initial sketches which obviously they didn't settle on when they rebranded to our current mark um we thought the idea was hilarious and it came up in passing um during an off-season meeting that we were almost called the musculards and we kind of like we can't just glance over that. Like we were almost the what, like we have a picture of that and we had plenty of sketches and um, one of the initial sketches actually evolved into what Brent um, served up as the muscle arts branding for last year. Yeah. And I can kind of touch on that too, then is when we took this sketch from planet who created our logo, um, the Maynard logo that you see today, it's very similar in style and, and coloration and all those things. Uh, so it was really taking that idea. Kyle actually went on vacation that week. So it was, it was all on me. <laughs> but uh, it was taking the iteration that Planet had provided with the sketches and things and then really developing that story. And this is what I was mentioning earlier is it's so much about the story behind these brands that we put out as alternate identities to connect with the community, but also then just I think it sells more merch that way when you're able to say this is why we're doing this and with the muscleard uh, there is a story in Lake Mendota where it his name is Bazos uh it is a muscleard thing it's a Lake sea Park. monster kind of like Loch Ness uh and we then took that story of Bazos and said we actually think it is the muscleard. And so we played off this whole, look, it's in the water. It's in the water. There's something in the water. And we built up this entire, it ended up being an April fool's joke. And that story from the lake monster turned into what you actually saw in the field and jerseys and merch and everything with the logo. So, yeah. Yeah. The, um, the onion, the blog, the onion actually yeah. started in the first article ever was about Bazos, the lake monster of Mendota. And, so we actually were able to take that backstory and our initial sketch, tie the two together and roll it out in an, uh, an unveiling. So one of the ways that we decided to do that was to hit April Fool's Day a day early on March 31st, unveil it then that we were rebranding the entire team to, as the Musk, <laughs> um, which people either loved or hated again at the same time. Yeah. Uh, and then the April Fools joke kind of as the stinger came back around and said, April Fools were not the musculards, but actually we kind of will be for two games. So we ended up really expanding on this brand. Um, we did two games where we wore the musculards uniforms, and then we actually added a mechanical muscleard to our stadium, which is a mechanical bull in the shape of a giant fish duck. And we had a muscular riding contest for Father's Day and kids and fans all season long could ride it. Um, and we also did a bobblehead of our mascot Maynard riding the muscleard uh, for one of those activations as well. So it, it kind of just unraveled into this awesome story. <laughs> it's it's pretty amazing. 
Yeah, even with that, that is what I think the Mallards do the best is take an idea and then develop the story. But then you have activation upon activation upon activation that really tie in the meaning behind why we're doing something. It's not just, oh, we thought that was a cool idea. It's this is why we're doing it. And then let's like back it up with a bobblehead, with a jersey, with uh, you name it, activation after activation. And that's what separates, I think, our branding and the way we do that branding to anybody else. Well, and cryptozoology in minor league baseball branding is, you know, you've got the Vermont Lake Monsters, you've got the Spearfish Sasquatch, you've got the Las Vegas 51s. I mean, you've got, you know, there's a there's a lot of sort of mythology in minor league baseball with with cryptids like that. So I think that that is a particularly fun one. Some of the, uh, you know, some other things that may involve you know a story about madison wisconsin uh i know that another one of your alternate brands is the old fashions and uh people will note when they go to your store that the first item on the store for old fashions is a youth replica jersey so i appreciate uh <laughs> appreciate the alcoholic drink with the uh, youth <laughs> replica jersey right there on the store what uh what's the story with the the uh the old fashions and in particular, I love the, you know, the the maraschino cherry batting figure on the, you know, the t-shirt and the hat that you all use. Yeah, um, I think the old fashioned has become synonymous with the state of Wisconsin. So when I first moved here, that was the one thing that everybody said you had to try was you have to go to a supper club, uh, which is still alive and well in Wisconsin, and you have to get an old fashioned. Pretty much every bar around here has their own take or spin on it. They have a different way to make it. Uh, but one of the the main things is to, to muddle the cherry at the very beginning um, which is why our cherry swinging his bat has a little muddler handle on the very bottom of the, the handle of the bat. Nice. So we've really tried hard to uh, create as many nods to the to the drink um, as well as we could without overtly making the the entire uniform just look like a cocktail. Um, <laughs> we included some supper clubish looking uh, branding to that as well with the uh, wood paneling sleeves and the pleather pin cushioning uh, that you would typically see at a supper club. Uh, those are all things that are pretty synonymous across all supper clubs, no matter where you decide to go in Wisconsin. So we did a lot of sourcing. Again, not being from Wisconsin originally, we had a lot to learn uh, to establish that branding. And uh, we decided to go down down the street to some place that kind of had that Wisconsin dive bar feel and film that release video. And uh, another activation for that day was to actually um, break the record for the world's largest brandy old fashioned. We made one in the stadium. Uh, it was 325 <laughs> gallons. Um, and it was absolutely amazing. That sounds incredible, actually. Yeah. And I think uh, it must have been a hard task to have to do that research. So, uh, yeah. you know, good, good for you guys for, for sticking with that. Uh, another of uh, the alternate brands that that I've seen out there associated with the team is the as the underdog. Uh, that's funny. I'm actually wearing my Philadelphia Eagles t-shirt right now. You, I don't know if you can see that, but that was their big thing in 2018 that, that they were the underdogs. What is the, uh, what is the underdog as it pertains to the Madison Mallards? We wanted to do something. Actually, our president has always wanted to name a team, the underdogs, uh, obviously just the, the namesake. You are the underdogs as you just explained with the Eagles. And so we partnered with a local pet rescue to really tie that story in together. Uh, and we put, we had, what was it called? A jersey? There were fan submissions yeah. for a collage on the jersey. So fans submitted pictures of their dog with a small fee. And that was a donation to the underdog pet rescue. So we were able to create like the superhero jersey with a cape and everything. And then the people's pictures of their dogs would be on the jersey. So it was kind of a nice nod to that. Uh, ironically, I created that logo and I am not necessarily known uh, or I take a lot of pride in uh, my logo design. I'm a great graphic designer, but I know that you think that logo design and graphic design are totally different. And I agree because I am not necessarily a logo designer, but I was a graphic designer. And what I was doing was I was just playing with typefaces and I had this U. It was a really ugly looking you but i started putting dog ears on it and a dog nose <laughs> and i wish i could show you the first iterations of it it looked terrible but <laughs> actually said you know there there's some bones here this kind of looks cool and we kind of developed it into ultimately what it became today where it's a fully more brandiose kind of styly looking dog face on a you which is an homage to the underdogs then so again a long-winded answer but there's a lot of different pieces that go into not just the logo design, but again, the story behind it. 
Yeah, we actually had some dogs from Underdog Pet Rescue of Wisconsin that were there um, and available to be adopted for that day too. So um, that was also a, a bark in the park day. So there were just dogs everywhere. They did a pregame parade with the adoptable dogs around our warning track. Um, and yeah, the fans who submitted their own dogs got a replica jerseys themselves. So kind of saw the the back of those red capes that were on the back of the jersey, kind of around the, the general grandstand. So that was a really cool day. Um, it's just so funny. Like I remember Brent turning his laptop to me and being like, I made this logo and I hate it. What do you think? <laughs> and I was like, I think that's amazing. We should continue to build off of that. <laughs> nice. We pretty much do everything in-house, uh, which is something I think is super cool, where a lot of people will go out and use other companies or like Brandios is, you know, a big logo design company and they do a really good job. Um, but outside of Planet and the Muscle Arts, we've done all of the other rebrands from our creation and our ourselves. Um, and I think that's just something unique to us and the Mallards that we can create some really cool identities, some really cool stories with just our two minds and then whoever else we can bring in. But it, it's something that maybe is unique to us that other companies and teams won't won't do. They won't look inside. So you mentioned Planet. That is, of course, Planet Propaganda, which created the the Mallards logo back in 2021. Before I let you guys go here, uh, are you at liberty to speak about any of the plans you have coming up for the 2024 season or beyond? Any alternate brands that you're working on? I think the Musculard may or may not make its return to Lake Mendota. Um, All right. We are working significantly on putting some branding that um, hits home even harder to the people who love the state of Wisconsin um, and potentially even the greater Midwest. So trying to expand a little bit outside of our borders, but uh, the people who grow up here and the people who live here and come to our games, the one thing that we know about them is that they love Wisconsin more than anybody else could love Wisconsin. So the, our biggest goal is to really hammer that home, uh, especially in the upcoming rebrands that we decide to bring to the field. So um, to keep an eye out, we'll, we're uh, slowly sourcing some, uh, you know, fan feedback on on what we could potentially be doing that, you know, it feels like sometimes you'll, you'll unveil something and somebody says, oh, well, maybe they should have done it this way. And it's a really simple solution. Um, but only somebody who grew up in Madison or into Wisconsin would have known to do it that way. It's like, gosh, I wish I would have just known that from the beginning. So um, we do take a lot of valuable feed, fan feedback from that. Um, so, yeah, not, not at liberty to say outright exactly what we'll be doing, but um, definitely kind of similar themes to next year. You can never have too much Wisconsin, yeah. for sure. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, Brent and Kyle, this has been so much fun. I really enjoy uh, talking about all of these many brands that you have to build this larger identity for this team. Where can people find the the Mallards? Where can people find you guys individually on, on social media? Yeah, at Madison Mallards on all of our socials and MallardsBaseball.com. Thanks so much. This, is, this has been a ton of fun. Awesome. Thanks. All right. Take care, guys. All right, everyone, welcome back. I am so pleased to welcome back to the podcast, Baseball by Design's official wildlife correspondent, Ranger Amy Burnett. Amy Burnett, welcome back. Hello. Thanks for having me back. We are here talking about the Madison Mallards. We get to talk about some ducks. And <laughs> we're off and running. <laughs> and some other fun alternate brands here. So let's jump right into this. Madison, Wisconsin is the only place in the world where Mallards live, right? the mallard is probably the most widespread most common duck in the entire world hmm. it is found more places in the world with it than any other duck kind of duck so it is basically the most ubiquitous duck you can have in the whole world so what makes it uh an appropriate mascot for madison wisconsin it has an eminent <laughs> <laughs> all right all right let's talk about mallards they have this fun logo here with the the mallard who is pointing like he's babe ruth calling his shot okay so one of the things i think is notable about the mallard is its color so given this logo here the one they've had in use for a couple of years what do we think about the the coloration the realisticness of this mallard Maynard the Mallard calling his shot like Babe Ruth. <laughs> Maynard the Mallard. Yeah. They just love the alliteration, don't they? If it starts with an M-A, they're going to They're about it. it. All right. You know, it's, it's a realistic color. It's green. I wish it were a little bit more iridescent. Like, that's the one thing that people will notice. Like, everyone can recognize a Mallard because they're that bright, bright green. They just have this beautiful green head that everybody can recognize. But 
of course, they're only talking about the males. The females have their pretty bra- drab brown color. They just look like every other duck. So Maynard is definitely Maynard a boy duck. has to be a boy duck. Yep. Okay. Yep. And that's right. how you know the females can, uh, they look pretty brown, but that's to keep them hidden when they're laying their eggs. So it makes a lot of sense. Okay. All right. Very good. The guys don't sit on the nest, so they don't have to be uh, drab colored and camouflaged. They can be bright green headed. You know, they, uh, the guys actually stick around. I should I should let you know. The guys actually stick around for like a week just to make sure that uh, that the eggs are laid and that things are going mm-hmm. because if she if the if she doesn't lay any, lay any eggs or it's not working then he gets to mate with her again so he sticks around long enough to can i say that on your podcast i think so we're trying hard to maintain the clean rating on baseball by design so but yet you talk to me let's move on with questions about the mallard just as a uh what are the what are the characteristics of a mallard uh, in general, and then are there any in particular that would make it well-suited to be a good baseball player? Well, they're a dabbling duck, and that just means that they're really good at just, they don't dive, they're not too good at running on land, uh, they're really good at flying and swimming, not so good once they get out of the water. So they're sort of, the way their their feet are placed on the on their body is just for swimming and, and feeding and like tipping their heads down in the water and getting things off the bottom like bugs and weeds and grasses and things like that um underwater and that's so like they're really good at what they do but they're really awkward on land so it sounds like the entire phillies lineup no (laughs) you're still bitter aren't you not known for their defense well but so that brings up the question here like are they are they aggressive are they strong like what uh you know what are what are some of the the sex life of the mallard is probably the most interesting thing that i found out so you know one thing about mallards, um, like many ducks, they actually have a corkscrew-shaped um, heart. Whoa. <laughs> Again, with the clean rating. <laughs> and that's just, you know, things are slippery, right? You're a water bird. You know, you just want to make sure you don't slide off. So in your estimation, uh, how does that help them in on the baseball field? Um, it's kind of like having cleats. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. You see how I made that jump? You did. You made a great jump there. I, so it sounds like there's traction. not traction. They have it's traction. It's all about traction. There is not a ton to talk about with mallards. I mean, I can say a couple other things okay. that, that are PG. So we're in November right now, and Easter is pretty far away. No one's thinking about Easter right now. But at the time of this recording, that is correct. Okay. But come Easter, and anyone listening to this near Easter, some of you are thinking, I want to get my kid a pet duck. A duckling for Easter because they're super cute and fluffy and they're on in all the stores and people are saying, hey, get your kid a little baby chick or a little baby duck for for Easter. And they're fuzzy and cute and yellow and they look adorable. But let me tell you, they grow up and they're stinky and they're messy and people are trying to get rid of them on Craigslist. Yeah, they don't make great pets. So everything you said could also be applied to having human children as well. So, so well, I they're may... cute and cuddly, and <laughs> then they're messy and stinky, and and you wonder why I didn't have any. And way less cute when they grow up. The parable of the duck is how come you don't have your own kids. So. <laughs> All, right. All right, so let's talk about some of these alternate brands. Yeah. They're they're uh, super fun. One of the team's alternate identities is the Muscalard, which was uh, part of the conversation around the team name. That's fun. It is fun. It's a combination of the Mallard and the Muskie. So the question is, not getting too far into how would you actually create this this unholy Frankenstein of an animal. (laughs) Um, So, you know, let's steer clear of that direction. But uh, the, the idea of introducing some qualities of the Muskie to the mallard what does the muskie bring to the to the dna of the mallard that's going to make it a better baseball player so forgetting that the muskie could actually eat a baby duckling like in one gulp well but it's not a baby duck like duckling look at him he's yeah Maynard's all true. he's all grown up yeah he would probably be a little bit more than a mouthful yeah i think in order for that thing to happen that you know different kinds of ducks can breed and and produce offspring but yeah a duck and a fish. That is a uh, that's a different one. <laughs> okay, I but we're not that... don't don't get don't go too far down that road because you'll never come back. No, I will never come the... back. I would say that the muskie has great jumping power mm. uh, and a very strong jaw. So they um, like a we don't think of a duck as very strong, mm. um, but maybe if a mus- if a fish mated with a mallard, it has sort of the lift power of the wings of the duck. 
Mm. It definitely has the feet of the duck, so it's you know it's a good swimmer, and then it's got the the lunging power of the musky, mm. and uh, those are formidable fish. I mean, people don't just fish for them to eat them. You know, they want something that puts up a fight. So I would say that would be a formidable baseball player, that musk gallard. Musk gallard. Now, we have talked about cryptids yeah. on this podcast before. We talked about the Cryptid. Grand Junction jackalopes, mm -hmm. and uh, we talked about the Dayton dragons. That's right. So this is, I think, our third cryptid that we're going to talk about, the legend of Bazo, Bazo the lake monster in Lake Mendota. Lake Mendota. What do we know about Bazo, the lake monster. So Bazo was a lake monster who was actually discovered in the late 1800s. So in his legend lives on today. He was supposedly somewhere around a 25 foot lake monster. Apparently um, he ate a bunch of, uh, in recent times, he actually ate some dogs. Huh. Yeah. That's super sad. But people would, uh, like, a married couple saw this gigantic 25-foot greenish-black snake thing. This couple actually saw this lake monster was, like, speeding after them and chasing their boat. And they basically just got away with their lives. And uh, let's see, they, this guy had a hatchet that he happened to keep in his boat. Who keeps a hatchet in his boat? People in Wisconsin in 1883. <laughs> like, I guess they're, they're expecting to catch really big fish. So he basically picked up a hatchet and he hit it in the head and body. Um, so it's amazing that people are still seeing this lake monster after he did that because mm. you'd think that that he would actually kill it. But maybe, maybe it's, like it's son of Bazo. Halloween. Son of Bazo. Yeah. Maybe it's one of those Halloween movies where you, you think you kill the villain and it keeps coming back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because that you know the legend has to has to keep on going, right? So there's been a handful of sighting like. The, the sightings are just a certain non-conclusive like that. Okay. Uh, you've got the 1800s, 1917, they, it was seen again. Apparently, it continued on to the 1940s. So, yeah, the, the legend lives on. And, uh, yeah, it sounds like it was a pretty crazy monster there in the lake. Turns out this lake is 81 feet deep. So I think it, would, it could hold a lake monster, don't you? Lake is no joke. Yeah. Who do you think would win a fight? Bazo the lake monster or the Vermont lake monsters? I would say definitely the Vermont Lake Monster. I mean, have you met a Vermonter? <laughs> like they're not they're I've... not Midwest or nice. I live uh, in New Hampshire. People are not as nice as people from Wisconsin. So um, here's the thing. I, I think this monster was just a big muskie. I mean, if you look at a picture of a muskie, it's got this big huge jaw and giant teeth and then a snake-like body. Now they're only like six feet, like that would be a huge one, not 25 feet. But if you're looking in the water and you're seeing like a trail of like something that's making a wake behind it, you could probably imagine that it was that it's a lot longer than it is. Well, I believe that Bazo the Lake Monster is real. There's one other identity that I wanted to talk to you about here, not because you are Ranger Amy, but because you are a uh, dog lover mm -hmm. and someone who volunteers at a dog shelter. Yeah. And uh, one of the other uh, brands that this team has is called the Underdogs. Aww. And they've got this adorable logo here. Yeah, he's got a good little face. It's the letter U turned into a little dog face. And this was part of a promotion where all the proceeds went towards uh, supporting a dog shelter. So I'm not really asking you to comment on dogs as uh, mascots, but I just wanted you to know about the uh, Madison Mallards and their underdogs promotion pro helping to help dogs at shelters, which is near and dear to your heart. I love that. Do they do a Bark in the Park Day? They must, I'm sure. If we're going to take a road trip to see the Madison Mallards or the Madison Underdogs, it would be really great to see the, it on Bark in the Park Day. That'd be a fun road trip idea or like a way, a fun way to plan a summer yeah. is to go to all of the Bark in the Parks. <gasps> oh my gosh, then we need a dog. Everybody oh. listening, tweet to Paul that Ranger Amy needs a dog. Go I ahead. think the way to pluralize that would be Barks in the Park. Barks in the park. We would have to go see all of the barks in the park in one summer. That would be a fun thing to do. Yeah. So that would be. All right, Ranger Amy, thank you so much for your time. Everyone really should consider adopting a dog. There's so many out there. Like, please, please. There's no need to go with a breeder. So many beautiful dogs of all shapes and sizes and breeds and purebreds, even just in the shelter, just waiting for you to take them home and let them sleep on your couch. Also true of muscalards. Consider adopting a muscalard. 
Oh yeah, that would be fun. Thank you, Ranger Amy. Thanks for having me. All right, everyone. Welcome back. It's time once again for Studio Simon's Numbers, my favorite time of the week where I get to hang out with Dan Simon and he brings a trivia question, which we call a Studio Simon Stumper. Dan Simon of Studio Simon in Louisville, Kentucky. How are you doing? I am fantastic. Thank you for asking. How is Paul Caputo doing in his basement in Fort Collins, Colorado? You know, it's it's beautiful weather, and I'm hanging out with my my coffee and uh, and Dan Simon. So, how could I be bad right now, Dan? Okay, I'm glad yeah. that I I I bring you uh, happiness. So, and I also bring you stumpers. So, let's uh, jump into the stumper right now. All right. Okay. This episode is features the Madison Mallards. Um, prior to the Collegiate Summer League, um, Northwoods League Mallards, there was an independent minor league team in Madison named the Madison Black Wolf. Uh, they played at Warner Park, the same ballpark that the Mallards play at, from 1996 to 2000. Um, a little note here. Um when the Mallards played at Warner Park, they referred to Warner Park as the Duck Pond. Um, when, not when they played there, they do play there. They refer to it as the Duck Pond. Um, when the Black Wolf played there, they called it the Wolf Den. But prior to the Black Wolf, there was affiliated minor league baseball in Madison. So our studio assignment stumper today asks, what was the name of the last affiliated minor league baseball team to play in Madison, Wisconsin? Was it A, the Madison Senators? Was it B, the Madison Hatters? Or was it C, the Madison Muskies? Last week, I eliminated one right away, and that turned out to be the right answer. And so I want to avoid, you know, jumping at discarding one of them right away if i were to discard one of them right away it would be the senators and so the other options the muskies and the hatters the madison hatters is kind of fun right because mad hatters that's fun the the reason muskies is piquing my interest here is because they they have an alternate brand that we discussed in the previous segment or in the first segment of this episode that is the muskallards which is a combination of a muskie and a and a mallard and so it kind of makes me think that there's there's history there with muskies as a name but madison hatters sounded very familiar to me madison senators is the one that i'm discarding right away so it's probably correct but i am going to say not definitely not the senators, maybe the Hatters, but probably the Muskies. I'm going Madison Muskies. Okay, why did you eliminate senators right away? It's boring. <laughs> it's you like, do know that Madison is the state capital, don't you? I I do know that because you know you're required to memorize these things. You know, what What might a team be called in Madison? I can see Senators being one of the options there. So I I think I, you know, I think I discarded it just because it didn't seem that interesting to me. There's there's other teams out there called the Senators already, at least one in Harrisburg. Muskies, maybe it's just wishful thinking instead of an actual guess. I think Muskies, Madison Hatters actually would be the most fun of all of them. But Muskies, Muskies felt like the right answer to me. Okay, well, here you go. All three of these options were indeed names of minor league baseball teams in Madison, Wisconsin, oh. um, starting with the Madison Senators. Okay. So that is you're you eliminating that was was correct. Okay. Um, they were a class. They played in the Class D Wisconsin, Illinois League from 1905 to 1914. Okay, okay, but not affiliated. Correct, because that was before affiliated minor league baseball teams. There were minor league teams, but they did that 
that predated Branch Rickey introducing uh, the the minor league system as we currently know it. Yeah. Um, so after the Senators, the next team, there was not baseball in Madison again until 1940 when the Madison Blues, mm. a Chicago Cubs affiliate, played in the Class B 3I League. You're, you're probably good at geography. So what would the three I's be? We've already established, because the Madison Senators played in the Wisconsin-Illinois League. Probably Illinois. Illinois. What would the other two be? Illinois, Iowa, and Indiana, I would guess. Okay, there you go. Um, so um, they played there, I think I said this, from 1940 to 1942. The next team to play, starting, uh, there is now a 40-year gap yeah. from one team to the other, were the Madison Muskies, an mm -hmm. Oakland A's affiliate, who played in the Class A Midwest League um, in Madison from 1982 to 1993. Okay. Now, when they played at Warner Park, I mentioned that the Mallards call it the Duck Pond, the Black Wolf called it the Wolf Den, the Muskies called it the Fishbowl. Uh, <laughs> nice. However, they were uh, not the last affiliated team to play there. Following, uh... <laughs> following the departure of the Muskies, who moved to Grand Rapids and became the what, Paul? The Muskies became the uh, West Michigan Whitecaps if they moved to Grand Rapids. Correct. Um, so um, following the departure of the Muskies, the Springfield Cardinals, then a Class A Midwest League team, moved to Madison and became the Madison Hatters. But their residence in Madison was a brief one as they moved to Battle Creek, Michigan after just one season. So the answer is the fun name, as you referred to it, the Madison Hatters, a one-year existence. And their logo featured a, a gentleman that looked very much like the Mad Hatter from Alice in Wonderland fame. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a pretty cool logo, a one-year, it's kind of like, like the Seattle Pilots of Major League Baseball, one-year existence. And... It'd be interesting to think of like how many, not think of, to find out how many just one and dones there were in minor league baseball. That's uh, that is an interesting thing to think about. I'll be speaking with Todd Radom on a future episode about the Queens Kings. That was a one year wonder uh, that Todd was responsible for. So uh, that's at least one more that I can think of. Dan, I don't feel too bad about missing this one here. So because the Muskies were, in fact, a an affiliated minor league team, and the Madison Hatters, you know, they were they played since then, but only for one year. This is this is like this is like losing a game on a long fly ball that would be a home run in twenty of thirty parks that uh, an outfielder goes and takes in over the wall. You know, I'm 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 not super worried about missing this one. I'm gonna I'm gonna shake this off knowing that I had good exit velocity on my answer and. uh you know, and, and come back next week. Well, yeah, as they say, you missed it by that much. <sighs> I missed so, it by uh, that much. I don't know how interesting this might be, but um, notable, you, you you guessed the Muskie. So here's a little um, notable alumni, um, Madison Muskie's notable alumni. They include for one game, a 42-year-old mm. Tommy John, mm. who... Many people know for the surgery named after him. Um, near he he had that one that sole game. He was a pitcher near the latter part of his 26-year major league career. Wow! Um, but also, I mentioned it was Muskies for their entire what was this 11, 12-year existence. They were an Oakland A's affiliate. So. Um, other notable alumni included a pre-roided Jose Canseco, <laughs> um, who in 1983, when he was with the, the Muskies, only hit three home runs in 34 games. So, wow. uh, And he weighed 118 he, pounds. <laughs> um, and also, um, his, one of his teammates was his twin brother, Ozzy, 
Oh. Did you know that he had a twin brother, Ozzy, who also played Major League Baseball? I did not know that. It's like Trevor and Kevin Gooby. <laughs> Together, the Conseco brothers would hit 462 Major League home runs with Jose hitting 462 of them and Ozzy <laughs> Butkus. <laughs> Ozzy Butkus. Uh Dan, this was a fun one. I'm going to have to see if I can find some some Madison Muskies gear out there, though. That sounds like that was probably a fun logo. You know, there is, I listened to a podcast called Good Seats Still Available. And mm. what that podcast is about, it's about sports teams and leagues that no longer exist. Oh. Um, and it's it's a very interesting podcast. He's The, the guy's a very good uh Host almost as good as Paul Caputo. What a kind thing to say, Dan. That's uh, I know that uh, you have appeared recently on. Uh, well, you've 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 made the the rounds on Curved Brim Media, and all the you know all the team loved talking with you on Curved Brim Media. But I know that you also recently, in light of your Rome Emperor's brand, appeared on the Minor League Baseball uh, podcast with Tyler Mon and Ben Hill. So that's uh, that was fun to get to hear you on on that podcast. But of course, this is, you know, Baseball by Design is where Dan Simon, the podcaster, really got his start. So I hope everyone, you know, when they look back on Dan Simon's career, that they think Studio Simon Stumpers is really the thing that uh, that helped Dan Simon make his mark on minor league baseball. So, Dan, thank you once again for the work that you put in. I know you're so busy and, you know, you, you put in time and effort to these Stumpers. And I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule during the busy off season uh, and uh, and coming on and chatting with me every single week. Well, I, you know what, the, the world needs trivia. So um, I, I make time for this. So happy to do it. Looking forward to next week. I hope you have a great week and I will see you. See you next week. <laughs>